Yes, All right. Man. We ain't going to waste no time. Mm -hmm. Without further ado, I was so blessed. Man, it's just like blessing after blessing. The last uh, couple weeks, we were digging deep into relationship. And there's still more to say about that, as you will see. Um, but we started talking about identity and God's intention as it relates to identity with a key focus on personality and how that ties in. What about personality? What about our giftings? What about the things, our behaviors and all of those things? And so uh, Brother John really took us through, and I think it was life-changing some of the things that were shared. Uh, I would love you guys to get your questions ready as, as the conversation is going. Get your questions ready. We would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, how you guys are processing this. Um, Brother Elisha, can you take us in with a prayer just to open this thing up? Yeah, I got you. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask that you just be amidst this conversation that I got. Um, we ask that um, this time would be fruitful, Lord, that you would um, expose the areas where we've tried to insert ourselves wow, where wow. you should be, Lord. Uh, we ask that you would uh, expose um, the things that we've tried to identify that um, that we've tried to identify with that don't align with your word, God. Um, speak through us. Um, we want people to see you and not us, God. All these things we pray in your name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. John, I'm about to release you. I want you guys to know what this is. What we're doing here are recaps from more in-depth studies that we do on Sundays. So if you're not in tune with that, go ahead to go to link in the bio or follow Band of Brothers. All of it is in the link in bio. We don't come on here to play. We're not coming on here for clout. We're not coming on here to be cute. This stuff is for us and it's for you. It's for the body of Christ right now. So, I mean, whatever you got to do to take it in, take notes, this is serious stuff. So, uh, John, man, I'm about to release you, man. Let's get it. Yeah, man. So we were talking about identity. I forgot to grab my Bible, my bad. <laughs> uh, but now, nah, man, we were talking about identity, man. And in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been talking about, as you were saying, Ezekiel, obviously your relationship. And we were we had a long, drawn-out kind of debate about what we was going to start out with. We're going to start with identity, relationship. And um, either way we would have approached it, we would have gotten to the same place, right? And just looking at, where we've already come from in, in, in terms of relationship and how God desires relationship with us, how God desires for us to be in relationship with one another. There's a key part to that. And that is out of this relationship with God, who do we become? Right. And this is where we begin to talk around identity, right? Because it's only out of who I am that, I move, I function, I operate. I don't just operate off of thin air, but I'm, I, I'm, I, I talk and I reason and I interact based on what, what we are saying, based on my identity, right? Based on my identity. And so this is a super broad topic as we talked about, man. And I mean, we're not gonna go as in depth as we did on Sunday. And I, and I believe even on Sunday, we kind of scratched the surface. But it's a very broad topic, man. I mean, there's so many schools of thought when it comes to personality, identity, you know, the difference between them. Are they the same? Where, where do they come from? Um, from an atheistic standpoint, a religious standpoint, a spiritual standpoint. Um, but for the sake of argument and just for the sake of our conversation, we basically are def we're basically defining identity as the core of who you are, your core beliefs, values, um, propensities, things that you believe, your convictions, your identity. Personalities are characteristics of behavior, right? Um, person may be, you know, a happy-go-lucky person. A person may be uh, really bubbly and, 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 and outgoing. A person may be very reserved, introvert, extrovert. Um, respectful, indifferent, personality, right? Um, and the list goes on and on. But how does that relate to kind of what we're talking about, right? And the thing that we were looking at, man, is that the Bible said that we were created in the image and in the likeness of God. We were created in the image and likeness of God. And, and it's so important for us to really understand this idea this, this topic of identity, because obviously we're always asking the question, right? Like, who am I? 
Where do I stand? Where, what is my place in this life? And all the things that we're constantly doing, man, to try to figure out our position, right? Um, you know, how do I fit in this world? Where do I, where do I, how do I measure up? Am I enough? You know what I'm saying? Um, and so God answers that question for us when we talk about the original intent for God or the original intent of God for man is not just relationship, but that we carry an identity. And that identity is the identity of God, the nature of God, the character of God. Um, we looked at, you know, how there are some things about God that are non-transferable, things that we cannot be like. <laughs> God is omnipresent. He's omniscient and he's omnipotent, all powerful. He's everywhere at the same time and he knows all things. We can never be like that. We we won't carry that in this physical body, right? That's that's God's and God's alone. He's the creator of all things. He holds the breath of every person in the palm of his hand. We'll never be like that, right? But there are attributes and aspects of God that we can be like and that we do possess. The Bible says, be holy for God is holy. The Bible talks about how we are partakers of the divine nature, right? And so just kind of laying a foundation of kind of where we're going to go in our conversation, right, in regards to identity, realizing that our identity, man, is tied to God and is tied to who God is in his character, in the attributes of God. And so... Now, as we go into this idea of personality versus identity, and one of the things that we brought up, man, is that in this world, y'all, we've been born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Before Christ, the Bible talks about how we're dead in our sin. That means that, man, our identities have been tainted, that though God's original intent was, us to, was for us to carry his identity because of sin, We've been polluted. We've been soiled. We've been dirtied, right? And that image that we're supposed to bear, the identity of God that we're supposed to represent in the earth becomes a marred vision. It becomes a marred picture, a perverted and twisted picture of what God is supposed to look like. It's Instead of loving, it's selfish, Instead of pure, it's defiled and twisted and perverted, right? It's a, it's, a marred, it's a marred picture of God because of sin, because of sin. The problem, man, is that when we come to Christ, when we come to God, we don't truly come to God a lot of the times to partake in this exchange. We don't understand that there is an exchange that God wants our life for his life. Our identity that was, that was developed and formed in this world for his identity, his character, and his nature. And that's the great, that's the great, that's the great exchange. That's the great exchange where when we come to Christ, we, we put off and we put on. But then as we go just into, you know, as we go into the details of identity and personality, as we go a little bit deeper, right, in terms of how, 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 and, and everybody kind of chimed in on this, man, like, how have we, or how, what am I trying to say? How were we developed in this world? How, how was our, how was our identity and our various personalities developed and, and kind of created in this world, right? And a lot of that, was based on culture. It was based on our various ethnic groups, ethnic groups, right? It was based on societal norms. A lot of it was based on what was hip at the time, right? What, what we seen on TV, right? That we allowed to shape us and to mold us into the people that we became outside of Christ. And it's how much of that can we carry into this new life? How much of it do we try to carry into this new life? And how much of it is hindering us from walking in our true identity as sons of God, as children of God, 
right? And so just kind of laying that foundation, man, kind of open it up, man. Let's, 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 let's uh, crack this thing over, man. There was a lot of thoughts, man, and, and, and different opinions about this. Man, I, I just want to say this is a crazy topic. There's a couple things I want to get into, man, as, as, as you were talking. I was just thinking about, like, where do we get, like, how do we classify some of our desires and the things that we want? Because a lot, a lot of times um, people tend, and I, we're going to jump here really quickly. So if I'm struggling with my sexuality, then now I can claim that as my identity. Mm -hmm. And so one, one of my friends who has a poem, it's an amazing poem, his name is J.O. Speaks. He talked about uh, living an entire life um, in a life of homosexuality. And his, he gives his testimony about how he, you know, he, he transitioned and, he, you know, he's married. He has beautiful kids, I think four kids now and a beautiful wife. Um, he said, the enemy always tries to make you believe that you are your desires. Mm. And I'm like, hey, so... So how do we really deal with our desires? How do we know what's good and what's bad? And I realize that we do have our lusts, and those are desires that um, are poured out from our flesh. And I realize that the flesh always drives us to desires that um, we're trying to fill a gap from an empty place. The flesh always wants more. That's why it's insatiable. It's almost an abyss. It's a hole without a bottom. It cannot be filled. But the desires that flow from the spirit are desires that flow from a place of abundance. So it's two different perspectives. With the, with the spirit, that's why the, Jesus told the woman, you're going to drink of a water, and once you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. It was not about what she would drink, but about who she would become, because now her, the sources are different. Like, you, you've, been, you've lived all of your life with trying to fill this abyss of your flesh, of your mind, of your emotions, what I'm going to give you is going to transform your identity so you're yeah. pulling from a well that never runs dry. And so that helped me a lot. Um, that's one. And two, how do we try to, how do we not demonize some of the personalities, giftings, and inclinations that God has given us? Let's say I'm very meticulous. And that has allowed me to excel in, in counting numbers. Um, do I just look at that? Oh, that's just a worldly thing. Or how do I try to uh, approach kingdom with some of the giftings and personality? I would call them personality gifts or inclinations. How do we apply that? And where do we draw the line? Right. Well, and then just also understanding, man, that, you know, even talking around personalities versus identity right identity is kind of the core of who you are your values your beliefs your convictions personalities really kind of complement our individuality right they're traits of our individuality right um they they are expressions of our uniqueness right that's why the, it, it it varies between individual to individual like not everybody has the same personality right we're all different Right, in terms of just how we show up and how we express ourselves, it's 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 different. Um, a lot of the times, though, when we come to Christ and we have these various personality traits, because we are coming out of the world, like our identities, which our personality traits are birthed from, was corrupted by sin, and so in consequence our personalities a lot of the times can be corrupted, can be tainted, can be sinful, can be ungodly, right? Or a lot of the times it's just that it needs to be harnessed in or harnessed by the Holy Spirit, right? Like for instance, today, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a playful guy. I like to crack jokes and, and you know, make light of stuff. And, but I'm in a conversation with somebody that, um, me being light became disrespectful. Now, I can easily be like, you're tripping, right? I'm just being me. But then am I being guided by the spirit of God in that instance? Am I being guided by my identity in God, which is loving, which is caring, which is patient, long-suffering, understanding? You know what I'm saying? And so then I have to harness my, my personality to make it fit the particular situation, 
and actually go back and be like, hey, I realize I made light of this situation. I apologize for that. I apologize for the way I came across. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like God isn't about making us all into robots, but he is about sanctifying and consecrating us. The problem is when I come to God and I refuse to be sanctified in the name of being relevant. I refuse to be sanctified in the name of trying to be like everybody else or fit in or in the name of holding on to my true self. Well, is your true self consistent with who God is? Is it consistent with the spirit of God? That's why you guys have always heard me kind of kind of come against this. You know, when we talk about, you know, and I made light of it a while back, have hood, have holy. We laugh about that and it's funny, but is it me trying to trying to take, trying to carry with me this identity from the world and attach it to the identity of God? And I kind of I kind of talked about this Sunday, man. It's, it's, it's as if, you know, I'm, I don't shower for three months and all of a sudden I'm gonna I just wanna throw in some cologne and spray, I'm gonna throw in some deodorant and spray some cologne thinking I'm gonna carry this funk trying to put on something that smells good on something that stinks. And God is saying, I need you to give me all of you and let me place within you what I choose to and what I want to allow to remain and not carry this and say, God, you have to accept me with all of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm, and I'm operating the kingdom based on how I feel, based on what I think, based on what I want to tailor the gospel to be to fit my circumstance or to fit my context, right? Is we kind of talked about where we have to be able to carry, we have to be able to hold our personalities loosely, right? Where I don't allow, or, or just even our context in terms of where we come from, our culture loosely, where, where I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't lead this life from my own experience but I leave this. I live this life by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and allow God to use my life, use my context, and in whichever way He chooses, knowing that it's going to, at the end of the day, glorify, glorify Him. Come on, Elisha, you like you, you biting at the bit, bro? Bring it in. Look, I'm just taking it in, bro. I'm just taking it in. Um, you gave so much good stuff on Sunday, um, and I think. Um, one thing that, you know, we were, and me and you were even talking yesterday, but I think one thing we got to remember is, um, <laughs> coming out of relationship, you know, we're talking about God's original intent, um, to operate in how we were in our original identity because of sin, it's going to take a submission on our part that it was not originally needed in the beginning. Um, even as I continue to read through Genesis, um, one thing that stood out to me again, like, it's just crazy how, like, you can read something, you get something new every time. When God gave Eve to Adam, he actually never established headship. He did not have to tell Eve and Adam how to operate as a married couple because sin had not uh, divided the oneness of marriage. So their identity was so ingrained in them in creation that there was no instruction on how they were to operate and relate to each other. And so their identity was, um, it was actually a natural thing. This identity that we're trying to operate in is not natural for us because of right. sin. So you cannot get to your identity and, and, and who you are to be in Christ until you've really sat and said, I'm going to submit everything to the Lord. Um, because you can get in this space where you're looking on, you're looking at, you know, where you're looking at what I was created, what, what I, what I am now, and you miss on actually who you're supposed to be. That is your sanctification, right? So I think the trick is I see myself as a black man. Okay. The trick is I see myself as an American. 
God did not form in the womb of my mother a black man. He formed in the womb of my mother a son of God. So then the question becomes, how does, because you cannot ignore who I am, right? To, to, to go to the other side of the spectrum, because I've heard it. Oh, well, I don't want to be identified as a black man. I want to be identified as Christian. Well, that's how you were created. So the question becomes, how in my submission to the Lord can I use every bit of who he's created me to be, to be one, submitted to him, two, walk in my identity, and then three, be his extension, while being diverse in how I look. Because once you grasp your identity, you then grasp how you are supposed to uh, conduct yourself. My identity gives me how I should act. It also tells me who and what I should be around and what I should be doing. But you can't get these things if you're not submitted. I don't know that I'm an ambassador for reconciliation. I don't know that in times when I need to be pruned, I'm a vine. I don't know that I'm a husband who is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. I don't know these things if my original identity is not, if I'm not submitted under the Lord so I can get these things. Right. And so these two, the, this idea of um, hierarchy in my creation uh, of who I am. Am I am I Christian then black? Am I man? If I am I Christian then I'm a man. That is going to really be an issue because God created me in my whole self. The trick is not to figure out which one's more important. The trick is to say I'm taking my whole self in submission to God, and He is telling me which way to move. He is telling me in what spaces I am to act. Because right. to be honest, like. You're not going to sit here and tell me as a black man, I'm not going to go advocate, you know what I'm saying, when I'm seeing all these injustices. Because Jesus was a social warrior as much as he was a teacher. But at the same time, he didn't do anything that wasn't his father's business. So it has to be submitted. And that is where I'm able to operate in everything that the Lord has created me to be, a black man, an American, a man, all these different things that we identify with, that's when I'm able to operate fully in them when I am originally submitted under the Lord. Right. No, yeah, that's I, that's I didn't want to just jump, man, because he made me excited. He made me so excited. And you said everything that I would say. I, I could probably only just reiterate what you said. And I, I, I used it before, um, the example of the story of Abraham and Isaac. God promised Abraham Isaac. It was his will and intention for Abraham to bring forth Isaac. But along the way, it would have been possible for Abraham to begin to view Isaac as the end goal, as the prize, as the complete promise. But if he would have done that, in his heart and in his mind, he could have inadvertently exalted Isaac in a way that would have hindered God from doing what he wanted to do with Isaac. And I want you all that are listening to think about Isaac as your giftings, your blessings, your career, your personality. And what he called Abraham to do was to take Isaac to a mountain and to slay him with a knife. Abraham, obedient to God, of course, with heavy heart, went and he raised his knife to Isaac. Then the angel of the Lord says, stop, because now it is clear that you fear the Lord. And what Elisha is saying is, if we're not willing to lay our Isaac of our personality, of our giftings, of our, our elevation, our accolades, um, our, our blackness and our right to be proud of that blackness, if we're not willing to lay that on the altar of the Lord to say, God, I, I have this and you, you gave me this, but this is not my God. My personality is not my God. My job is not my God. My family is not my God. This money is not my God. So if you want this here, take this. And you know what God does in the beauty of his graciousness and sovereignty? He says, my intention was not to kill Isaac. My intention was for you to make a distinction on who your God is and to, to know that I am the giver of good things, that I am your God and I am your God alone. I wanted it to be clear that you feared me. And now I will use Isaac 
to bring about the big picture. And so, so many times we sacrifice the big picture to exalt our Isaac. And God is like, man, it's not just about Isaac. It's about the nations that I plan to bless. And right. so I said like this, if it were true that Abraham clung to Isaac and resisted the call of God to slay him, then inadvertently Abraham would have slayed the promise mm. without killing Isaac. And if we're not willing to raise the knife to whatever it may be, then inadvertently, not on purpose, you didn't do it on purpose, but you have chosen to kill the big picture, to kill God's vision and intention and greater purpose for your life. That's what I would say. It looks like a, a common thing I'm seeing even in the comments is around, um, am I a sinner or you know, am I a saint? And if I'm always sin, then does that mean that I'm a sinner? Basically, is kind of the idea that I'm picking up from the comments, man. And you know, the scriptures talk about how we're born again. And I, I see that quoted. I see that mentioned in the comments, man. How the scriptures talk about that we're 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 born, we're born again. What does that mean to be born again? Born again. And when we understand that whole process of new birth and accepting Christ, the Bible is clear, y'all, that when I come to Christ, I become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And look at what it says. And all things are of God. We don't even we don't even quote that part of the verse. That tripped me out when I first read it. I'm like, well, what about verse the beginning of verse 18? That's a carry-on of verse 17. And all things are of God. And so regardless of how many times we might have messed up and how many times we might have bumped our head, it doesn't change the truth of who we are. Now we're dealing with truth versus reality. The truth is I am a new creation. The truth is that I'm a son of God. My reality is I'm in this physical body and I'm going through a process called sanctification where I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. But it doesn't change the truth that I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I am holy. I am righteous. I am pure. I am a saint. Like, my identity is no longer tied to where I was at in my past and where I was at in sin. My identity is strictly tied to Christ. Why? Because I've been born again. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, the only way that I can look like God, the only way that I can be a bearer of the image of God, the only way that I can reflect the identity of God and walk in my true identity as a son, is if first he says, we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I must first behold him. My face... I must, I must first be unveiled. My face must be unveiled. I must be able to see. I must, I, I must be able to see God for who he is. And as I see God for who he is, by me seeing him, he says, by me, he says, he says, I'm beholding as in a mirror. Well, what do we see in a mirror? We see our own reflection. But what he's saying is that when you look in this mirror that is supposed to be showing you your reflection, you're actually seeing the glory of God. So not only must my not not only must the veil be lifted where I can see God, but I must be able to see God in me. I must be able to see God in me. And he says, by me seeing God in me, which is the glory, he says, I'm being transformed into the same image. I have to stop when I'm looking in the mirror, seeing the old John. 
I have to stop looking at when I see in the mirror the 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 angry guy, the violent guy, the guy that made mistakes, the guy that bumped his head, the guy that fell 10 minutes ago, five seconds ago, the guy that just had a bad thought. I have to stop seeing that guy and I have to begin to see the glory of the Lord because that's my identity. That's truth. And as I come into agreement with truth, we walk by faith and not by sight. As I begin to come into agreement with truth, the Bible says that I am being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, we have to stop downgrading and talking down on where we're at in God. He says we go from glory to glory. It doesn't matter if you just accepted the Lord yesterday, if you've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, 15 years, whatever stage you are at in God, you are in a stage of glory. That's truth. That's truth. And the way that I am transformed into that image is just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is the Spirit of God in truth working hand in hand that sanctifies me and causes, causes me to walk in who I am as a son of God, as a child of God, a reflection of that identity. But again, we have to see God. We have to see God, and we have to see God in us. We have to see God in us. We have to stop looking when we see ourselves, stop looking at the world. We have to stop seeing ourselves veiled in the world. We, we, we want so bad to fit in, so bad to, to, to be relevant, so bad to, oh, I got to be like Paul. I got to be all to win all. And yet you, we've made all these compromises. We've made all of these changes. We've thrown in these skinny jeans. We put on these clothes with holes in them all over the place. We've changed our hairdo and we haven't saved a single, a single soul. We haven't brought a single person, discipled a single person in Christ. It's been more about evading the persecution that comes with truly following Jesus is what is what we've been escaping in the name of being relevant, in the name of not being judgmental. And it's time, man, for us to, if we're going to be bearers of the image of God, if we're going to truly understand our identity, we have to not only be able to see God, but we have to see God in us. We have to know that as he is, the Bible says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That is our identity. That's our identity. There is no, he don't need any help. Jesus was Jesus and multitudes followed him. Jesus was Jesus and, and he snatched everybody from the from the synagogue. Everybody was shaking the, the religious people of that day. That's why they were so jealous of him. Because everybody was following after Jesus, not just church folk and even some religious folk on the under, but multitudes of people, sinners. He didn't have to turn his hat on backwards. He didn't have to cut no holes in his in his in his robe. He didn't have to, he didn't have to try to look like the world to fit in. He knew who he was. And that's the place that God wants us to be at. He reminds you, me where you coming for Darius with the hat on backwards. Come on, John. Oh, come on, there. Come on, there. Okay, hey, D. Hey, D. Come on, D. I'm with you, D. I'm with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Darius, do you got anything to add to it? Um, man, honestly, all I all I keep thinking about over and over again, and one of the things that I constantly uh kind of share. Um, with the fellas is like um, when we go back to Genesis and we look at everything that was established and how he created humanity in his image and in his likeness, where do we see in scripture where he changes his mind about the original intent? Like we never see him change. We never see because of the fall, I no longer have, I'm taking away how I created you, how I designed you to be and that we're starting over from scratch. We never see that happen. And so because of that, the whole thing from Genesis to Jesus and the cross is to get us back into right, proper position with him. And so that we are 
align with him properly the way we were initially supposed to be to return back to him as sons, as his children. God is always referring to us as his children, as his sons, like throughout scripture, we always see it. And so the reality is, is for us is to get back in that posture of children. But the thing that we miss out on and what we don't realize is that we can't find our identity separated from God, right? A lot of what forms us, even in the natural, is our connection to our parents, our connection to our parents and what they instill in us and the things that they give us is 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 what kind of shapes us and molds us and and creates us to be those things. And so and so if we're disconnected from who God is, if we're disconnected from what he wants us to be, if we're disconnected and we're not spending that time necessary to be who it is that he wants us to be, how will we ever truly be that? Right. Like it's the relationship that is necessary, right? So what we have to understand when we get saved and when we when we turn or what I like the word I like to use is when we pivot from one lifestyle to the other is now I need to submit everything that I have ever become or everything I've identified with, everything that I used to say about myself. I need to submit it to God for purification, for purification and for cleansing and see if that's what God really wants from me. So God's not going to strip you of certain things. I think that we're so, the problem is, is we're so scared. We identified with stuff so much that we're scared that we're going to lose that. And that's really the problem is you're scared. You're scared to lose what you identify with. And you're like, well, who will I be if I no longer am a ladies man? Who will I be if I no longer, if I no longer, if I no longer can teach the way that I teach, who will I be? If I no longer identify by the way I look, who will I be? If I no longer identify by the culture of my community, who will I be? If I no longer identify by the, 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 the job that I have, like, who will I be without this? And the reality is, is that that's what we're talking about submitting to God. That's why God wants us to come and be underneath him. That's why we have to truly submit as, as John was saying, because like, there's a purification that comes with connection that is necessary. But the problem is we have to push past that uncomfortability and be willing to submit to God. And it's not an easy process. I think that's one of the biggest things too, is like, we think that like, oh, it's going to be easy. Like, uh, now that, now that I'm here, it's going to be like, no, like once you start, it's really just the beginning of the process. Like once you get saved, that's the beginning of the process of transforming. But it's only that way if you truly submit to God. If we don't submit to him, then we'll never be able to experience it in that way. Bro, can I add something to what you just said, bro? You just illuminated my mind and understanding. When it comes to how do we actually live a life that is being transformed? So Romans 12, too, is one of my favorite scriptures. Be not conformed to this world, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As long, along, along with what John said, he said, when we see God right, then we'll begin to see ourselves right. And we saw that in the garden, as soon as Adam sinned, he, he began to see God as someone to be feared or someone to be threatened by. And so he hid himself. And so already the, the, the vision of God was distorted. And so because the vision of God is distorted, now he can't be who he needs to be. And so I think that's why the call for us to be like children is so important. I don't believe we can truly walk in newness if we can't be like children. Because I believe God biologically created children that in the early stages of their lives, they're the most moldable. Like if, like if, we, if I told my kids we are vegetarians from here on out, my three-year-old, my four-year-old are going to be vegetarians. Why? Because they eat what I give them. And they don't really ask too much questions. <laughs> and that's why homeschooling is so dangerous. It's like, man, I can literally shape my kids' world by what I say. Them looking at me, they're basically going to be replicas of, of who I am. And that's, I believe, what God is calling us to be. That's why we, we can't be adults in this kingdom thing. Like, we literally, our identity 
when he said when we say son, I want us to think of son like little boy, little girl, because that's the type of obedience that it takes to really yield and submit. I'm not gonna submit if I'm so locked into my personality. My man said, ladies, man, you don't understand how many dudes are not going to get married because they're just too fine. I've always had women on me. Why would I give that up? Like, I'm not, like, I can't get off of social media. I cannot live without likes. This is serious. I'm not playing. People are like, like, if I, I can't fast, because if I fast from social media, then people are going to forget about me. Because I've literally built my identity around this image that I've sold to people. Like, it's, it's like, it's, that's it. Uh, can I be transparent? Please. Can I Please. be transparent? Come on, bro. There was a time that I was so in shape that I didn't want to fast because I didn't want to lose, like, the physique that I created. Mm. I was, like, literally, like, there got to be another way to devote to God. There got to be. I can't. I'll work too hard for this. And so this is like, if we don't have this conversation to say, yeah, okay. Look at my, when I, my, when my, when my, my youngest son kicks down my, my, my other son's Legos, he's like, oh, why you do that? And he starts building it again because he wasn't so sold to what he built that it was, it was, he's just playing. And so it's just this mindset. Like, I don't care what I built in the world. I don't care how much money I've amassed. I don't care what reputation I have with them. Like, God, I'm going to be like Abraham. Leave my kindred. Say less. Oh, drop the job. Say word. Okay, go that way. I'm moving. And that's that's what we're talking about, identity, because that identity and that submission go hand in hand. I'm done. But the fact that, you know, Darius was talking about we struggle with letting things go, but that's because we think this identity we've created is greater than the God that, that who created us. Like, that's that's where we get this. That's where we kind of trip ourselves up on is like, well, you know, I'm a ladies man. I built this body. I got this job because I, I busted my butt in college and now I got two degrees. And so, you know, they shouldn't want to pay me this much. You know what I'm saying? I deserve all of this because I've now built up this, this sense of self. And it's something that is built outside of what God is calling me to. You know what I'm saying? Like, God is not calling me and not establishing me to build my kingdom. God is calling me to be a vessel used to build his. Whatever I amass on this earth is just a byproduct because I am being obedient and giving to his glory. So now my obedience is, is like threefold. It's for myself and the people around me. And it's ultimately so I can show you that no matter who I am, God can use me for, for his glory. Me and John had a dope conversation yesterday where we I had a chance to listen in on, and John, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but um, I had a chance to listen in on um, um, one of him and his uh, coworkers um, were just talking about how qualification is not something God looks for. He, he doesn't look for qualification. He's looking for people who are readily identifying themselves as sons and as willing vessels. Because then when I move into places that the world tells me I shouldn't be, I now I'm saying I'm pointing back to my daddy. Like I'm I'm here because I'm here because of big big homie upstairs. You know what I'm saying? But we we struggle with letting things go because we think what we've built is better than what God has built. We're trying to say, hey God, I want to be a part of some of the stuff you're doing. But I also want to bring this along with me. And God, and, 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 and what God is trying to get us to see is we suffer from split personality disorder. Mm. Like we, we, we out here trying to serve ourselves, serve God, you know what I'm saying? Get some of this in the world, get some of this in the kingdom. And God's like, yeah, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, keep <laughs> overspending yourself. And when you wonder why, you're constantly having to realign yourself. Like, like I had to really check myself maybe maybe like a month ago. I was talking to one of my homies, I'm like, yeah, man, I need to I need to get realigned. And he was like, hmm, that sounds familiar. And he wasn't trying to be funny, but he was like, Yeah, but I feel like you said that like earlier this year, like maybe like two or three months ago. And I was like, But why you what's up? Like, why you doing me like that? And I had to really sit with that, but that was because 
I had convinced myself for a time that I could go after, I can go after what I wanted and try to say, Lord, this is what I want. Here you go. You know, tell me what you want me to do, but I'm already doing it. Right. And, 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 and if I'm a child and, and let's go a little more aggressive, you know, we're slaves to righteousness, slave to sin, slave to righteousness. What identity does a slave have outside of his master? Not a one. You a slave, you try to leave your master. You don't got housing, you don't got food, you don't got a job. So if I'm a slave to righteousness, where do I get off thinking I can tell the Lord that this is what I want to do? My identity, my livelihood is nothing but what he tells me it is. So when you talk about identity, again, you cannot get away from it. It is a submission issue. Like, you, you, there's no way around it. I don't want to forgive them unless they ask for forgiveness. Okay, cool. Well, you're not really operating as the Lord calls you to operate. Lord, I don't really want to, you know, I don't really want to wait for sex until marriage. I'm going to just do this and still pray and go. All right, cool. But you're not, but don't, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to get God and only take pieces of him. He is an all or nothing God. Like, it, it, it is all or nothing. He wanted every bit of Adam and Eve. But as soon as they sinned, he said, yep, you got to go. He gots to go because that's not my identity. He's not going to sacrifice our his identity for our indecisiveness. That's not how it works. God is who He is. You either take it or you leave it. Now I'm 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 being a little aggressive with this. God being who He is, He's going to chase you down, guys. If you're listening, He's not as aggressive as, I, as, I'm, as I'm He's going to chase you down. But here's the thing: At what point do we sit here and say, "Me"? chasing my own identity outside of the Lord is hindering my relationship with him. Because if my blackness, if my degree, if my job title, if my marriage, if my family is something that causes me to compromise my righteousness, if it is something that causes me to compromise my identity, then I can no longer say that I'm a son of God. Because like you said, Ezekiel, if you go vegetarian tomorrow, your kids, they're they going to be vegetarian. I got a coworker. She's she's pregnant. She, she was like, yeah, he he not going to, he not no chicken, no steak, no none of that. He, he vegetarian. Your parents tell you what to do, you're going to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, I like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this in there real quick. And then uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to step out so Big Will can slide on, man. The thing about this identity, um, you know, somebody said something, and I'm kind of reading the comments too, just to be aware of like what people are saying. So y'all don't think that we just over here jaw jacking, right? That we actually care about what y'all got to say as well, man. But somebody made a really valid point, man, about um, the various traumas that basically we go through in life that 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 create these these wounds, these soul wounds, if you will, that makes it challenging to embrace our identity in God. And, you know, therapy is good. We had a big conversation about this a while back, right? Therapy. And I'm like, man, you just need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? And uh, all the brothers out there pushed back hard on that, man. It made me sit back and, and really and really contemplate and see how godly therapy is discipleship under the Holy Spirit. When somebody is a believer and they're sitting there and they're walking you through your past and walking you through the lies of the enemy that was that infiltrated your life at a really young age and they begin to uproot those lies and impart truth, that's the Holy Spirit in operation right there. Right. And and I would take it to another I would take it to um, another step or I would take I, I, I will go a step further in that. And that is something that we talked about a while back, man, during one of our Bible studies. And for the longest we ask, we've asked the question, and it's become even cliche, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do, right? And, I mean, it's spiritual. It's, you know, you're looking to the example of Jesus Christ. Um, but I would take that a step further. And instead of saying, what would Jesus do? I would ask, Jesus, what would you do? 
I would go from asking what would Jesus do to actually asking him, Jesus, what would you do? It's, it's, it's engaging the Lord in our relationship with him. Accessing the mind of God. There's a level of dependency that's displayed and expressed there. Faith that's expressed there in God. To hear from him. To wait on him. To listen. To really desire to hear the voice of God in the, prop, in, in the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about our faces being unveiled and being able to see God, but then also being able to see God in me, there's a partnership that's going on there. There's a partnership that's going on there where I am walking hand in hand with the Lord through my life, day to day, moment by moment. And uh, we don't see it. Because we put God so way far up there, and we've put Jesus on such a high pedestal, which, which is where he belongs, we forget that he is actually in us. He's living in us. And it is him that is our identity. It is him that is our identity. He is our identity. And so as I'm going through life, the question shouldn't be, what would Jesus do as if I'm trying to come up and formulate this, this, this rule and this list of things to accomplish and do? Well, I'm falling into legalism then. The question would be, Jesus, I know you're in me, Lord. What would you do? How would you respond to this? And, and, and in those moments, deal with the pride. In those moments, deal with the insecurities. In those moments, deal with the fear. Deal with the anxiety. Deal with the anxiousness. Deal with the doubt. In those moments, with Jesus, deal with that stuff, that inner stuff that is hindering you from following Jesus. Because it's not just Jesus, what would you do in terms of how you would have for me to show up in this moment, but it's, Lord, I need to give up these things that's stopping me from following you. And now I'm engaging in this relationship and even if you will, this discipleship with, with the Lord and I, yeah, therapy is good and you know, finding a pastor and a counselor in the church that'll walk you through some stuff, man, praise God, do it. But if you don't have that, y'all, you got Jesus because what those counselors and therapists and pastors and ministers should be doing anyway is leading you to Jesus, is pointing you to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And so I think kind of like shifting that 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 whole little, just those simple little words there from Jesus, uh, uh, from what would Jesus do to Jesus, what would you do, man, can be, can prove powerful in helping us, man, to uh, uh, better associate with our identity in God and actually receive the kind of healing that Jesus, is, that Jesus brings in those areas, man, of brokenness and woundedness. I'm going, y'all bring Will on, man. Will might be gone. We're going to see. Man, that was great, John. Thank you for that. Any one of y'all brothers want to jump in? Let me see if Will can get on. I'm talking to you, Elisha or Darius. Y'all, Go ahead, Darius. I, I, I said enough. Go ahead, Darius. Um, my bad. My, uh, my thing was kind of messing up, so I couldn't uh, hear y'all at the time. But, um, yeah, man, I think what John said is so powerful and we have to begin to like really, really look at the implementation, right? Like, I think one of the things that is difficult for us, even in seeking God, is the execution of the instructions. Sometimes we'll seek God for something and because because it doesn't feel good or because it may not be what we want it to be, then we delay on it but then come back to God and asking God, why isn't something changing, right? And then one of the things that, that, that we have to understand too is God is a, God works at the root, not the fruit, right? The fruit isn't important as, as much as it is the root. So sometimes we're asking God, I need to stop sleeping with this person. I need to stop going here. 
I need to stop drinking this. I need to stop doing that. And then you're like, why is this happening? But then God highlights to you this childhood trauma and God highlights to you what happened to you at this place. And you're not realizing you're like, well, I'm not asking you about that. I'm asking you about this. And God is like, well, that is just the fruit of what happened to you as a child. If you deal with this issue, then you won't be in all these different people's bed. If you deal with this issue, then you won't need the attention of, of all these different people on social media. If you deal with this issue, then maybe you'll stop overeating. Like the biggest issue is sometimes we don't want to really deal with the root. And we're just like, God, I didn't ask you for that. Like, I didn't ask you to touch this over here. I asked you to touch this. I don't want, I need you to leave that alone. That hurts too much. So just deal with this. Like, this is, this is doable. And the reality is, is like, God is a heart surgeon. Like, God is a heart surgeon. He knows the issues of our heart. And sometimes we're so busy trying to just rattle off the word and rattle off all these things. But how many times throughout scripture, even the ones who knew the scripture, God is responding to their heart and not what they're saying. He's responding to the heart of the matter and not anything else. And so that's something that God's really been dealing with me on and just like the importance of understanding the matter of the heart. Like we can spew out scripture with the best of them. But if your heart ain't right, God is like, God is like, I'm not impressed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, he's just like, I'm not impressed. Like this, this has nothing to do with where I want you to be. And that's, that's the matter. Like we see all throughout scripture, how God is addressing the heart issue, like the heart issue. And sometimes it's as simple as changing what we're constantly consuming and what's constantly coming in our our eye gates, our ear gates, and everything that we're doing. Like, like um, I heard somebody say this recently, and I was like, that's so good. It was like, you know, um, and we've talked about this before. God was so intentional on the environment that he created before us that when he created us, we were conducive for the environment he created. He created us based off of what he had already created. And so they was like, so you don't have a nose on your head because if it was to rain or if something was to happen, you would drown. So therefore, it's strategically placed in a certain place where the environment that you're in, it's helpful to it. So what we have to understand is one of the reasons why we're not seeing the progress that we want to see. And one of the reasons we're not becoming who we want to become is because what fish, what water is to fish and what dirt is to plants is what his presence is to us. And when we understand that that's what, what, what it really is, like even when we go back to Genesis, right? Like, like it was the separation of the presence and the separation from them being with God that really did it. Like that's where it was. It was like, you're no longer in my presence. So not being in my presence, like, and, and, and I will, I will, this is something that I, I was looking at. I'm like, so, so we will, we can look at the scripture and be like, man, what God said didn't come to pass, right? Because we'll be like, well, they were still alive and they were still doing what they, what they wanted to do. But, but to be apart from him is to be dead. So the reality is, is that they were apart from him. Like you can't be apart from him and think that life is going to be okay. And so many times we are always trying to be apart from him. We're running from him. And, and what we need to do is I love the song, like run to the father. Like we need to constantly keep running back to the father over and over and over and over again. Um, and, 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 and of course, I'm not being insensitive, right? Because we know that like everybody doesn't, doesn't grow up the same way. And we all have had things that may come in and, and cause that, that relationship to be a little bit shaky. But we also have to be willing to, to push through that, 
to push through the pain, to push through the uncertainty, and to begin to en en engulf ourselves in who he is and what he has for us, and then watch the change happen, right? Like, we, like here you go, a great example, right? Ezekiel, the first time you started doing poetry is nowhere like where you are now, but you kept at it. You kept returning to it, and you, your continual return to it is what allowed you to manifest the way you manifest in it now, right? So the reality is, is our continual return to the Father is the reason why you look over and you see certain part people and you're like, man, well, how do they hear from God the way they hear from God? And how do they do this? But it's the intentional sacrifice for his presence that will lead you to that place. But we have to be intentional on it. We have to, we have to, we have to make sure that we're, we're separating ourselves in such a way where he can identify us and he can truly show us who we are. And when we do that, and when we submit ourselves in that way, we'll begin to see the difference in our lives. And we will begin to understand the difference between our identity and our personality and how who he has caused us to be is all wrapped up in who he purposed for us to be from the very beginning. Bro, we got we to gotta end this live very soon. But what you said uh, reminded me of a thought that I had this week, and uh, we, we're going to be praying soon. But it was this. I was just thinking about Kobe, man, and his, his diligence to always come back to that place, man. man Kobe's my guy. That's Jesus. my dude, bro. For real, for real. But the fact his work ethic was crazy. But what it was was he just constantly came back and practiced. And I realized, man, what made him great was not simply because he was just genetically greater, but he kept practicing. And so I realized, man, greatness and practicing go hand in hand. And so I think about sometimes when we fail at this Christian walk, I think it has a lot to do with practice. If we truly are sons of God, then sons of God, along with what you're saying, Darius, are, are, are active sons when they're close to the father. The prodigal son, when he left the father, when he came back, he, he told him, let's celebrate your brother because he was dead, now he's alive. You're good as dead away from the father, but with the father, then you're active. I used to be part of, the, I used to be in the hood. And in the hood, there's a difference between a gang banger and a gang member. Active gang bangers go to hood meetings. They there for the hood days. They put in work. We're not going to talk about what work is. But really what it was about, even if you didn't put in work, is are you, are you in the hood? You can't go to, like, you know, the, the, the far side of the state. You're not, you're not a gang banger. You're a member, but you're not a gang banger. And so that's kind of like that's kind of like proximity matters. So the, the the term that my brother Reginald used back then was just coming back home, not stop running away. If you could like inconsistency and, and living a life of failure as a Christian has more to do with you putting a lot of effort and practice in running away to your vices, escaping to the things that you go to when things don't work what things don't work right why do you why why are you great at watching pornography because you practice it you're excellent uh, at that wow. but you're not excellent at yielding yourself and say god i can't do it i'd rather I, i'd rather my practice be god i don't know what to do help me let that be the cry and the practice of my life i'd rather be a gr great at surrender and I, I think that's like what we're missing because we, we, we think that there is a way to escape um, walking this walk without actually yielding ourselves to the practice of surrendering, to the practice of, of, of conforming. But really what I wanted to, uh, to, to, what I wanted to get to, and I kind of wanted to um, say, say this word in, re in regards to, um, ah, shoot. Now you made me, y'all made me lose my, my train of thought. Um, in regards to, identity i lost my train of thought but i missed it but anyway man it was it was it was something that i wanted to say but i forgot what to say so we're gonna we're gonna close we're gonna close maybe the lord didn't want me to say great as surrender yeah to practice yeah amen amen all right guys this this podcast is going up soon 
we got to pray. Um, it's past 10 o'clock and we usually don't try to, pra yeah, practice dying to self. Amen. We usually don't try to stay past 10 o'clock. Um, my brother Darius, um, could you, could you pray before we get out of here, man? Yeah, man. Um, let us honor God. Father, I just thank you for allowing us to come together on this live tonight. We thank you for everything that John shared earlier and Ezekiel and Elisha. And we just thank you for just moving tonight, God. I just ask that, that, um, that the things that you said through us penetrate the hearts of the people that are hearing this live and that will hear it to come. Allow it to be something that shapes them, molds them, and helps them get closer to you. Because ultimately, that is what our goal is, is to, to point people to the Father the same way Jesus did. God, just continue to uh, be with each and every individual. Thank you edge of protection around them and until we meet again we just thank you and praise Ooh. you again in jesus name amen